Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And I just want you to be just open to God as we start to move into the ministry. Um, it may be, that's why I wanted the boys, and you just never know what washes over people. But it may be that God wants to speak to you. It may be that God wants just to touch your heart afresh this morning. And so that's where we're going to go with the ministry over the next uh, few minutes. And we thank God for that. So uh, you heard in the message that uh, we thank God for all that the Lord's doing in Mansfield. But what we're trying to encourage us to see, every one of us as well, and some of you would run to this more quickly and easily than others. I get that. But as a church, the spirit of our church is that we always see beyond our immediate. That's the heart of the church. When we take an offering, when we, when we, uh, when we uh, minister into what God is doing, it's always the heart of the church to see beyond what God is doing. So this morning, I'm going to use the, uh, the screens again just to help us run through a, a message of challenge. If you've, if you've never found Jesus this morning, then... Um, This morning, God wants just to come to you and realize that your purpose and destiny really begins to flow when Jesus is at the center of your life. I'm a council house kid from Nottingham. I could live like this, you know. The reality is that as I've given my life to Jesus, he's given me an expansive view of his amazing world. I don't want to live like this. I want to live like that. Because the arms of God are always outstretched out of his world. So don't try and... Uh, Think this is defined by your background, whether that's limited or whatever. God can use every one of us. So um, in the Bible, unsurprisingly, there are many verses that could be defined as verses of mission. And uh, this morning, if it's helping you on the notes, if you want to take a screenshot or whatever, please feel free to do so. But these verses are slightly abbreviated, but let me just run through them. Psalm 96.3, declare his glory amongst the nations, plural. Isaiah 6.8, this is where Josh led us earlier this morning. Whom shall I send? Here am I, send me. Very often we've said, here am I, send him, you know. (laughs) John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I've got two globes in my office at work. One's a bigger one. And then I've got one that every Wednesday when I pray for missions, I hold in my hand and say, God, this world's so incredibly big. But in your eyes, it's so small as well. He says in Isaiah that the nations are like drops in a bucket. So God's not phased by the growing population. He's not frightened about environmental issues as importantly as we need to take those. God's not scared. He's got the whole thing covered. He's got the whole world in his hands. Matthew 28 and 19, go and make disciples of all nations. The word there is ethnos, ethnos groups, which drives it down and subdivides into nations. John 4.35, open your eyes, the fields are ripe to harvest. And 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15, Christ's love compels us. And it goes on to say in those verses, so we no longer live for ourselves, but for him. One of the great challenges of the Western world is selfishness. Me, me, me. And God's saying that when my love touches your heart, you begin to think not just of yourself, but you begin to think of other people. Now then, here's my missions verse. And... uh, 
The title this morning of the message is Impassioned by the Importance. So this verse, numbers of years ago, I'm just reading. You know, sometimes you read in the Bible, you read, you don't get a word unless you read the Bible regularly. That's the problem with give me a word, give me a word, give me a When you read the Bible regularly, then God gives you a word. So sometimes it's the Logos. You've read the word, it's done you good. But sometimes it's the rhema. It speaks right into your heart and right into your spirit. And if you're ever looking for that spectacular word and you don't genuinely read the Bible, it's not going to happen. But I'm reading and all of a sudden, this came right into my head, but also into my heart. And if, if people said to me, Phil, what defines your heart for mission? This is it. Acts 20 verse, actually it's got 28 there. I think, I'm sorry, I've made a mistake. It's, it's verse 24. Acts 20 verse 24. And here's the apostle Paul saying, I can, but you can, you can apply this to yourself. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news. Of God's news. You don't want bad news today, do you? We're not in the ministry of bad news. Christian, me, Josh, we've not signed up to be purveyors of bad news. We believe in the good news that sets people free. So what I'm going to do over the next few minutes is just try and open that verse up a little bit, applying it to myself again, and then seeking to apply it to you. What I would encourage you to do over this next season, maybe out of today, is to find your missions verse. It may be John 3.16. It may be Matthew 20.28. This is mine, and I'm passing it on to you today, and I hope it will be a blessing. So the context of this verse is that Paul was speaking to the elders in Ephesus. And if you read in Acts chapter 18 and 19 in the New Testament, you'll find that there was a revival that came to Ephesus through the ministry of the apostle Paul. You'll find that the people repented. You heard that word this morning. It simply means to go in the opposite direction. And when we genuinely repent, sometimes there are actions that accompany repentance, the fruit of repentance. And so these people in a city that was full of incredible idolatry, which we don't have time to open up this morning with all sorts of terrible practices taking place, started to come to Jesus and they had an open bonfire of repentance. And the Bible tells us that 50,000 days' wages were put on the bonfire. All the magic practices, all the things that worshipped other gods on the bonfire. In today's terms, it was approximately three and a half million pounds on the bonfire. Well, the people that were selling these things weren't very happy. They said, we're going to get that, Paul. The gospel's ruined our business. How many of you know that revival's ruined publicans' businesses over the years? It's ruined betting shop businesses. When revival comes, true revival, it literally changes communities. So they were out to get him and Paul got away. We come to Acts 20 and he's on his way back to Jerusalem. He wants to meet with the elders. He says, we don't have time to go to Ephesus. So they met in a place called Miletus which is Western Turkey today. And they had this tremendous meeting. It was a meeting of heart. It was a meeting of spirit. It was a meeting where they knew that this was the last time they would have such a meeting on this earth. Have you ever had a meeting with a relative or somebody from far from places 
And you're saying bye to them and you know it's the last time you're going to say bye to them on this earth. It's a powerful thing. There was tears. They, there was embraces. There was a, a lot of connection between them. But in the midst of all that, Paul gives this verse that motivated his heart for mission. So here's the first point in saying that I consider my life worth nothing to me. Number one, he was understanding of the call. Now, I've had lots of people say to me, well, it's all right for you, Phil, you're called. <laughs> if I can say it with humility, I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. But you're called. Yeah, so and we understand that there is a, a call to ministry, a call to vocationally serve Christ, bivocationally on occasions. But the reality is, if you read the New Testament, that the Bible makes it clear that one of the things about a Christian is call. In fact, the word church means called out ones. Called out ones. And very often, there's not a distinguishing between what we would call professional ministry and the work of Christians. So your calls. And here's, here's the passion of the call. Because the call is really a complete contradiction of how people in this earth would live. It's what we call the paradox of the gospel. It sounds as though it can't possibly work, but if we will implement these principles, we will find that we will truly live the Christian call. Now, without boast this morning, we could camp at any one of these and spend the rest of the day. It's not the purpose. I'm going to run through them. But when you become a Christian, understand that when you lose your life, you find it. When you give away, you receive. When you want to be first, be last. When you want to be great, be a servant. When you die, you will multiply. When a seed falls to the ground and dies, it multiplies of itself. When you realize that loss is gain, and when you when you understand that when you are weak, you are strong, you will find yourself living the call. I consider my life worth nothing to me. He's not saying you're no good, but he's saying that we give our lives completely over to Jesus. We live the contradiction to the way the world lives. I tell you, this works. This works. Number two, we're unflagging in the race. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. So he's in a race. Now, again, those of you that have read the New Testament will know that on numbers of occasions, the writers use running the race to describe the Christian faith. Uh, pre what we would now call modern Olympics, there were many ancient games that would take place. The Isthmian Games, for instance, in ancient Greece. So this picture to communicate would resonate with people. They'd get it. And Bible commentators believe that when the Bi when, uh, Bible teachers are speaking about the race, they're almost certainly talking about a long-distance race. Not a sprint, not something that's over in nine and a half seconds, but a, a long-distance race. And, of course, uh, that alludes to what we would call marathon running. Uh, 26 miles, 385 yards, 26.2 miles metric. And I know I've had people say, well, anybody can do that. Well, try it. Try running a mile and then say, I've got to do that 26 times. It's not easy. 
Uh, but that's the thought of the race. And Paul says, my only aim is to finish the race. Now, let me say something very obvious about a race. Number one, there's got to be a starting point. This morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, before we close, there's going to be an opportunity for you to start a relationship with God in Christ Jesus. All across this room, the starting points. Some people can say it was it was 8:47 on the 27th of March. Boom! That was a, they can just remember it's like yesterday. Other people say, you know what? I was a skeptic, but I gradually realised that God worked in my life, and I knew that I'd become born again. The important thing is we know we've started. Then there's a continuing. There's a continuing of the race. All of a sudden you realise that as a Christian you can still sin. Ooh, I said that word. I'm a, I'm a believer in that. I thought that thought. There's a, Josh was, I love last week about the whole thought of, uh, of uh, what we do in arena, not being linear but cyclical. Love, uh, finding God. Knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose, making a difference. It's a continual journey. Continual journey. So all of a sudden you realise that as a believer you can... Oh, but God helps you. You start to get the victory. You start to realise that God... Then you realise, as we heard in prayer this morning, you can still have a problem. There's still some people, friends, from the pulpit this morning selling a gospel that says if you come to Jesus you'll never have a problem again. It's not true. It's not true. But we go through the problems. We go through them with God. So we continue in the race and then we finish. We finish the race. Now, let me just illustrate this to you because um, in a marathon, um, you'll get what they call elite athletes running a marathon in two minutes five, two minutes ten. I won't even tell you the demands that that takes for people to do that. You get good Good club runners. You'll see them around Mansfield this morning. Go on the truck. They'll do it in about, anybody that does a marathon in about three hours, that's brilliant. But then you'll get the people that were on the telly yesterday that have been accepted back into the London Marathon last year that were taking seven and a half hours. And they were taking so long that the people were dismantling the course and saying, you know, you lot, you shouldn't have been in the race in the first place and started to abuse them. And they've been given a free place for next year. Friends, the important thing is starting. The important thing is continuing because whether you are going fast or seemingly slow, there'll be a time for everybody where your lungs are bursting, where your head is saying stop, where your metabolism seems to be breaking down. Here's the truth. On occasions, we all want to stop. However good we are, we all want to stop. And we think the enemy at times wants us to get terrible things. To All he wants you to do is stop. Starting, continuing and finishing. Paul says, I have finished the race. I speak destiny over people all over this room this morning. I speak that God's got plans for you. You need to continue. You need to press through. You, God's got a purpose for you. As you've started, I'm encouraging you to finish. You know, I've got to places in my life in ministry for you. I'm through the tests. I'm through the tests. I'm through the temptations. I'm through the problems. 
It doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. There are things that they'll come at us in different ways. There are things that we're batting off that don't bother us anymore. But we run the race. It's his only aim. My only aim. And if we're going to be a global church, we have to keep giving ourselves to the race. And the final point is this. Number three, the undertaking of the task. So the understanding of the call, being unflagging in the race, and undertaking of the task. And so to complete the task, what's the task? To share the good news of God's grace. In your hospital, in your office, as you're dropping that parcel off because you're the white van, uh, white van driver, you're the only one on the road that drives with courtesy and, boom, boom, and speed limits you. But you're the guy, you're bringing the kingdom. You're doing it right. Has anybody ever, by the way, rang that number on the back of a van when somebody's cut in front of them? There you go, okay. In school, in college, you this morning going from Arena Mansfield into your mission field with the good news of God's grace. What is grace? It's undeserved favour. It's unconditional love. It's grace that stoops. As I close, let me read you a story about the grace of God. I'll take you to a restaurant and here's where the story gets picked up. The man says, I was having breakfast with my dad and my younger son. As we were finishing our meal, I noticed the waitress come towards us. She seemed to bring the bill and then she took it away again. She placed uh, the bill again on the table and smiled and says, Somebody else in the restaurant has paid your bill this morning. Come on. And then she walked away. The man said, I had the strangest feeling sitting there. The feeling was helplessness. There was nothing I could do. It had been taken care of. To insist on paying the bill would have been pointless. All I could do was trust that what she said was actually true and then live in the reality of it. Which meant me... My dad and my son getting up from the table and leaving the restaurant. My acceptance of what she said gave me a choice to live like it was true or to create my own reality in which the bill was not paid. That is our invitation, friends, this morning. To trust that we don't owe anything. To trust that something is already true about us. That something has already been done. To trust that grace has paid the bill. And that's what motivates world missions. Let's pray.